as of time of recording on uh, Thursday, November 23rd, uh, news outlets are reporting that Israel and Hamas will have agreed to a four-day truce, uh, which will begin Friday at 7 a.m. Israeli time. Uh, the Qatari Foreign Ministry says that at 4 p.m. that day, the first 13 civilian hostages will be released to Israel. At the same time, Palestinian civilian hostages taken by Israel will also be released uh, and humanitarian aid will be allowed to cross the Rafah border into Gaza. So what does it mean? Uh, who exactly is being released and uh, what are the implications going forward? And I want to preface this episode uh, with a quote that I think will dispel some of the incorrect notions uh, many people hold about the Israeli war on Gaza. Uh, Albert Einstein said, Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Uh, When you take this into consideration, it really sheds light on Netanyahu and his government's intentions regarding the bombardment of Gaza. Since the bombing of Gaza started, uh, Israel has killed more than 14,500 Palestinians. And the United Nations has reported that at least two-thirds of that number, around uh, maybe around 9,600, uh, were women and children. Now, that total, 14,500, uh, does not differentiate between civilians and militants. Uh, but we know, and it has been confirmed by the UN, that at least two-thirds were women and children. So going by those numbers, we know that the vast majority of Palestinians killed in Gaza in the last eight weeks were civilians. And that is assuming that every adult male is a, is a combatant, which we know is not true. Uh, so it is certain that the civilian death toll is much, much higher than 10,000. So roughly for every one Hamas fighter Israel kills, they also kill two civilians. Now, I can't be the only one who believes that one of the most advanced militaries on the planet would have the capabilities of discriminating between militants and civilians better. So back to my point about insanity here. It's clear uh, that Israel's indiscriminate bombardment of Gaza is not working to fulfill uh, their purported goals, which is, as they claim, uh, to rescue the hostages and to eliminate Hamas. The only hostages that have been released since October 7th were released by Hamas, and not as a result of Israel rescuing them. In fact, uh, many of the families of the hostages in Israel have been appealing to the government to stop the bombardment, uh, because it's extremely likely that when Israel bombs a supposed Hamas base, that the hostages are there as well. I mean, it doesn't take a genius to know that bombing a building that a hostage is in is a pretty fucking terrible method of rescuing the hostage. And it clearly isn't working. Hamas is still kicking IDF ass in northern Gaza, as they should. So the eight-week-long bombing campaign, it hasn't worked to rescue the hostages, and it hasn't eliminated Hamas, thus repeating the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Insanity. Now, here's the, uh, here's the thing, guys. I don't, I don't think the Israeli government is insane. Because uh, this bombing campaign has done exactly what it was intended to do. Uh, the Israeli government doesn't outright say it, but we all know what their goal is. Uh, the ethnic cleansing of Gaza and rendering Gaza uninhabitable for generations. 
You'd have to be the most naive motherfucker alive to believe that Israel is going to let the people of Gaza return after this bombing. And they're taking that question completely off the table by making sure that there isn't a Gaza to return to. Israel wants that land to be uninhabitable, uninhabitable for a long time. And eventually they will take the landmass uh, that was formerly Gaza and just build more Israel on top of it. It is ethnic cleansing done via a genocide of the Palestinian people under the guise of rescuing hostages and destroying Hamas. But every once in a while, um, the veil kind of slips off here. Uh, the Israeli government has a mask-off moment. You know, uh, Amihai Eliyahu said the Palestinians, and I quote, could go to Ireland or the desert. Of course, a reference to Ireland being the only pro-Palestine uh, major EU country. Coincidentally, also one of the only EU countries to suffer under colonialism. Uh, but I'll let you draw your conclusions. Uh, or the Israeli army spokesperson, uh, Daniel Hagari, who said on October 10th, uh, and I quote him here, We are dropping hundreds of tons of bombs on Gaza. The focus is on destruction, not accuracy. And a month later, that sentiment has rung true. Gaza has been bombed by 25,000 tons of explosives. This very, it's a very small space. It's about 365 square kilometers. This has been hit with more explosives than a nuclear bomb. For reference, uh, the nuke dropped on Hiroshima was 15,000 tons. Gaza has been hit with 25,000 tons. So the signals of intent are there if you're willing to take an honest, uh, critical look and not just take the Israeli government talking points at face value. So now that we know that all the violence leading up to this point uh, was never about rescuing hostages or eliminating Hamas, we can talk about the hostage swap. Uh, this process is supposed to begin Friday, uh, which will probably be the release date of this episode, uh, in that process, uh, the, Associated the Associated Press is reporting that Hamas will release uh, 50 Israeli hostages in exchange for 150 Palestinian hostages taken by Israel prior to October 7th. Uh, two things here. Uh, first, to bolster my point uh, that Netanyahu's bloodbath in Gaza was never about rescuing hostages, it's worth noting that many news sources are reporting that Netanyahu rejected a five-day ceasefire in exchange for hostages as early as November 9th. And I don't think it would be a reach uh, to speculate that the Israeli government has held out on a ceasefire deal for so long because the hostages' lives are more valuable to the Israeli state as a pretext to further slaughter Palestinians in an evil, like, twisted sort of martyrdom. And I can only speculate, but my analysis is that Netanyahu has been pressured to make this deal uh, by the United States. I think that uh, Joe Biden has recognized uh, that his unequivocal support for Israel's genocide in Gaza has made him extremely unpopular. And it's my opinion uh, that his support and enablement of the Israeli state has already cost him the battleground state of Michigan in the 2024 election. Uh, Michigan has a substantial Muslim population uh, who greatly helped him win in 2020. Uh, but now they feel betrayed. And the sentiment in Michigan is that they will not vote for him again in 2024 under any circumstances. And I can, I can totally understand that. Like, I can outright right now say morally, I will not bring myself to vote for Trudeau 
over his enablement of genocide. And unfortunately, I think it will take big electoral losses uh, to demonstrate to the supposedly liberal or progressive politicians uh, that they're very much out of touch with the public on this issue. So I believe Netanyahu's deal here comes solely from international pressure and his global supporters' desire to slow down a conflict that is extremely unpopular in the Western world. Uh, Secondly, I refer to the Palestinians held by Israel as hostages, uh, because in all senses of the word, they are. Mainstream news sources are using the term hostage uh, for Israelis and prisoner for Palestinians. There is a duality here. There is a a normalized Islamophobia. You know, Israelis are hostages, uh, Palestinians are prisoners. But the circumstances of their detention are relatively the same. Uh, Both were taken prisoner by a foreign military power, uh, by a government under which they cannot vote, they have no representation. Uh, Israel does not want a lot of folks to ask why they had so many hostages to begin with before October 7th uh, to now exchange with Hamas. They had approximately 4,400 and 500 Palestinian, sorry, 4,450 Uh, Palestinian hostages before October 7th. That number comes from April 2022. And we know that 160 of them are women, uh, and about a thousand of them are held in what is called administrative detention, meaning that they have yet to be charged with a crime, but held indefinitely. They have been denied their right to a trial. And if that doesn't spell out hostage to you, then I really, I really don't know what does. Uh, the Israeli Justice Ministry released the names of 300 Palestinians uh, eligible to be released under this deal. Most of them are teenagers uh, convicted of throwing stones and you know other minor things. And a teenager throwing a rock at a tank, uh, a tank that is in the process of destroying their home, uh, is far from what you and I would call a terrorist. You know, I would call that uh, very, very reasonable resistance. Um, But that won't stop the Israeli propaganda machine from labeling them as such. And I came across this video uh, from a former Israeli soldier, Avnir Gavaryahu, who explains pretty well uh, what these Palestinians were resisting uh, before being detained and labeled as terrorists. I knew from a very young age that I am not only going to be a soldier, but I wanted to be a paratrooper. Uh, my dad was a paratrooper. I'm named after a paratrooper who was killed in uh, the 1973 Yom Kippur War. Um, so it was really like, not if, but when. One of my first operations ever um, was uh, entering a Palestinian home. You take over a house and use the house as a military point. Um, and I remember the feeling uh, of entering someone's house in the middle of the night, waking an entire family up, um, locking them in a room, and the house was ours. Um, and I look, and I tried to find justifications for it. I tried to convince myself that this was okay. I just, I, I couldn't convince myself anymore. So many uh, Israeli propagandists and uh, pro-Israel pundits are hammering away at the talking point that Israel is releasing "quote unquote" terrorists, uh, and that this is an unfair deal. Uh, to which I want to say, "Cry me a fucking river." Uh, But that's not very academic, so I won't say that. And that fits perfectly with that cookie-cutter colonizer language of framing every single instance of an oppressed people's resistance 
as terrorism. To understand why these people are being released by Israel are now also hostages, uh, we need to examine how the legal system in the occupied Palestinian territories functions as a weapon to to dispossess and uh, disappear Palestinians. In the West Bank, Palestinians are subjected to apartheid, and a key part of that apartheid system is the different legal systems uh, they are subjected to. Uh, Israelis living in settlements in the West Bank are governed by Israeli civil law, and thus are at the mercy of a state in which they can vote, and criminal charges and sentencing that are identical to how Israelis would be prosecuted in Israel proper. However, Palestinians in the West Bank are subjected to Israeli military law, which is markedly different from Israeli civil law. The sentences are harsher, uh, the rights of the accused are virtually non-existent, and they are tried by judges who are military officers. It's one land in two different legal systems depending on your ethnicity, and one ethnicity, Palestinians, uh, are not represented by either legal system. They don't get to vote in the government that detains them and dictates much of their lives. A, uh, a report by Betzalem, that is the largest Israeli human rights organization, uh, criticized the Israeli military court system. Uh, foremost as a functioning tool of apartheid, as well as a uh, corrupt and unequal system under which Palestinians are oppressed. And according uh, to the Israeli government's own data and uh, the Israeli military court system, it has a it has a uh, nine, 99.7% conviction rate. That is, that is utterly insane. Uh, that is the only type of conviction rate that you can get uh, that can really only appear in a court uh, that lacks due process in any semblance of fairness or adversarial balance. For example, uh, listen to this report from 2018 uh, regarding the process of navigating the military court system in the occupied Palestinian territories as a Palestinian. Palestinians are routinely denied counsel, for example, and faced with language barriers and mistranslations that taint testimonies and confessions used in court. But it's not only a lack of due process that plagues this legal system. Oftentimes, these cases are being based on spacious and far-reaching charges. Take, for example, the case of of Nariman Tamim, who was targeted because of a Facebook live stream. Military prosecutors indicted her in 2018 on account of trying to influence public opinion in a, and I I quote, in a manner that may harm public order and safety, as well as allegedly calling for violence. But Human Rights Watch, which reviewed the case and evidence in question, said that nowhere in the video or case file does Narman call for violence. Still, Tamimi pled guilty and told Human Rights Watch that she did so in order to avoid a longer prison sentence. Uh, And her daughter, who was put under administrative detention when she was 16 years old, was again detained earlier this month for inciting terrorism. So for context, when Israel says uh, that they have been coerced into releasing terrorists, that's what they mean by terrorist. Basically, any Palestinian who exists and speaks out for their human rights. So, don't take at face value 
uh, what Israel says about the Palestinians that they are releasing. They're releasing 150 Palestinian hostages uh, taken before October 7th, and there are over 4,000 more who need to be released as well. So when I say free the hostages, I mean free all the hostages. And Israel has said that they will extend the ceasefire one day for every 10 hostages released. And I really hope that it leads to a, to a permanent ceasefire. But as I have said time and time before, uh, this is just a band-aid solution. Uh, because a ceasefire really only means an end to what has been happening since October 7th. Uh, everything prior to October 7th resumes. Uh, the apartheid regime, the occupation, the status quo in which Palestinians are subjected to military occupation, they are persecuted, and they are treated as second-class citizens. And I don't think, and nobody with any good uh, moral character can in good conscience allow that uh, to continue. So a ceasefire is far from an end to the oppression of the Palestinians. Uh, some things need to happen after the ceasefire. The momentum needs to be used to advocate for sanctions uh, and arms embargoes against Israel, and Israeli ambassadors and diplomats need to be expelled from countries all over the world. And in the next episode, I'm going to get into really the details of what needs to happen after a ceasefire to liberate the Palestinian people. Uh, but for now, thank you for listening. Uh, drink water. Free Palestine. Have a great day.